Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know when people see us and they're like, oh my God, you're so wise and you're so young and it's, it's trauma. Is it? I, I really want you to know it is the trauma. Some of you are showing more sisterhood to your friends than your sister. Oh, Jesus. Well, drag us then. Drag us by our eyelashes, in fact. (laughs) Some of you are serving other men better than you're serving your brothers. Listen. And because the only love they have seen or demonstrated is mothering, they're mothering their partners. Hello, and welcome to the Two My Sisters podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Renee, and we are your online big sisters and hosts of the Two My Sisters podcast. We are all about promoting the wellness, growth, and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's episode, dun, 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 <laughs> we're going to be talking about that eldest daughter syndrome and the lowdown on sibling relationships. Let's go there. Ooh, child. Let's go there. This was heavily requested by the sisters, <laughs> might I say. Yeah. Every single time we asked guys, we need episode ideas, consistently eldest daughters. And I get why. It's it's a hell of a thing. We've been going um, through it. We need to talk about it. We've been we going have. through it. We have. But before we get into that, Miss yeah. Courtney. Hello. First of all, how are you doing? I am well. I'm very warm. Yeah. Suddenly, uh, the city <laughs> of London has decided someone's going to show up late yes. to the party. Uh, we're currently having a heat wave and I'm hot. Oh, it's- I am hot. Hot. It's hard as hell. <laughs> it is hard as hell. Um, but also, I am very, very well. Yeah. Uh, I've taken a few days to just rest. I feel like every time I come on the podcast, yeah. I talk about rest. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I've been resting. They must be thinking, what the heck are you like, doing? Do you do? <laughs> <laughs> do you do anything? <laughs> no. Um, no, I've I had a really busy week last yeah. week. So yeah. yeah, I've just needed to recuperate, realign with my goals. Mm. I felt like life was definitely taking over and just I felt like I was losing uh control and grip mm. on things. So I decided to just hit reset and I'm good now. Like I'm like, ah, me and my goals are so aligned That's now. Right. Me and God are aligned it. now. Let's get back on this grind. I like that. Yeah, man. How about yourself, Miss Renee? Well, I'm a <laughs> Uh, (laughs) no i'm good i'm actually well um i'm actually a little bit tired i'm Mm. looking forward to the weekend and sleeping um it's been a really busy week for me and um yeah i'm 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 tired i can't um i guess give thanks enough Mm. to i think my mornings this Mm. week have been so pivotal for me Mm. like i've really been dedicating my mornings to like my time and carving out like i've been very consistent with waking up at this time doing this in in the morning and it's helped so much in terms of shaping my outlook for the rest of the day um so yeah i've really enjoyed my mornings i've been back like consistent with like workouts and stuff since covid situation Mm. and um yeah man i'm feeling good definitely ready for that listen after hump day basically friday isn't it and i'm gonna be yeah asleep. we're recording this on a wednesday i'm so. gonna be asleep gosh um, gosh 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 friday. but yeah that's me i just I wanted to that. come in and check in a roll because you know the sisters they be like we want a dilemma and then we want the story but we also want to know how you're doing i know right the sisters really do doing. care i really like that man i like the emphasis on having a morning routine and mm. how like 
how much having that time of prioritized self-care at the beginning of the day actually matters because I feel mm. like self-care is often something we see as like a an emergency thing you yeah. do it in response so yeah. like the the saying prevention is better than cure yeah. is actually so pertinent here because self-care is not your medicine it's do you not, get what I mean yeah. it's more yeah. so a preventative measure mm. as much as it is um something to recover recovery yeah for sure for sure love that love that (laughs) well we're moving on to uh d4 dilemma (laughs) (laughs) let's go there there's a sister in in need of help yes and it's a sister from germany okay i've actually been to germany really yeah i've been twice is it, it is it guten tag or uh yeah is, is, yeah yeah guten tag <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna get sick of me when you come in with like i'm from this country <laughs> oh good morning um all right let me let dilly dally dilly dally all right <clears throat> hello cool. dear sisters hello sis i am one of the younger sisters of this community i'm 17 years old and from germany Yay. guten tag sis wow. what's good she will kill us with I that. absolutely <laughs> will. Y'all gonna be dead with that good and sweet, sweet 17. I have a best friend. He and I have been friends for a long time now. I caught feelings for him a long time ago. And in October 2020, I told him how I felt. Mm. He rejected me mm. in a nice way and said he wants to stay friends. Good. But before and after I told him, he always gave me signs that he likes me too. He gave me a lot of compliments that are more romantic And he comments under my Instagram posts in a more romantic manner. People in school always asked us if we were dating. After I told him that I like him and I told him about the way that he compliments me, Mm. he still compliments me on how good I look and uses a lot of pickup lines. Mm. I don't know what to think about it since we're still best friends. Mm. And to this day, I still have feelings. Okay. What should I do? Approach him again and ask him how he feels now or just leave it and continue the friendly relationship We'll just end the friendship. Any oh. advice? Why is it when the dilemma comes, <laughs> end the friendship is always like an end like, oh, guys, you don't need to cut, the, cut the court, cut the court, <laughs> cut, cut, cut the record. <laughs> We're done here. I hear that though. Mm. I hear that though. Okay. I think it's less of a thing of, um, okay. I think one of the main things I was concerned about mm. when I was first listening yeah. was, I hope you are not taking his friendliness for flirtation. I think that's one thing that women can do and girls can do when it's like, oh, you're being so friendly. You must like me like that. And it's like, no, I just like your dress, you know? Um, But it sounds like because people around you are also perceiving this as romantic, Mm. it seems like a valid, Mm. uh, the signs that you're picking up on seem valid. Um, I think this is not a case of like cut you off as a friend. And it's also not a case of let's continue to toe this line of lack of clarity. I think as best friends, as close friends, you should be confident now enough to say, this is not me approaching you. I'm actually seeking clarity. There seems to be some blurred lines here in regards to our relationship. Mm. Of course, I've previously mentioned to you that like, I do have some kind of romantic interest in you, but you know, I was happy when you let me know it's not reciprocal and that's completely cool, but I'm still picking up on these vibes. And I, I, for my personal like, um, peace of mind, as well as for this 
friendship to really thrive, mm. I need to know where we stand. Yeah. And so we really need to clarify these blurred lines when it comes to these aspects of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. So the, the flirtation, when you say these things, this is what I'm receiving. I don't know if that's your intention. Mm. Can you really outline what your intention is mm. in not only saying these things and behaving this way, but also with me? Yeah. So is yeah. this, do you have intentions to maybe embark on something romantic since we last had this conversation um this is not all things you should hurtle at one time this is me giving you different area points but like <laughs> <laughs> um since we last had this conversation have feelings evolved in you mm. um but i really need clarification mm. here i really mm. need to know where i stand because i don't want to be um unsure of whether a romantic relationship is really something I should be pursuing with yeah. you. Um, and I also don't want to be unsure. I also don't want to not give you the opportunity to just be open about your feelings. And I think you need to let him know this is your opportunity to be open about your feelings. Do you like me? Don't you? Um, and we can work from there. But I think letting him know because you are a good friend to me, because I care about you and because I believe you care about me, mm. I need clarity on this yeah, right now. Yeah. And so let's just have a open honest conversation um let me let you know what i'm receiving and what i'm perceiving from what it is you're doing this is my interpretations of your actions and our current friendship um but i want to know is that your actual intention because i don't want to assume anything so i think that that would be a good way to go about it but i'm very interested to hear what you've got to say miss you be out here talking about you're interested <laughs> I was going to say something similar to you. <laughs> so, no, I completely agree insofar as articulating these things. Because yeah. if you are this close to this person, you should be able to be like, yo, what's going on? What is going on? on? Right. And the fact that other people, I love the fact that you touched on the fact that other people are like picking up on, yeah. this is a. Uh, this is a bit romantic. <laughs> this is a little bit flirtatious. And this man is spoiling your market if that's not the case. Do you Ooh. know what I mean? Especially on something like Instagram. Yes. Dude, it's public. This is so He's true. Spoiling public your comments like what? that. People be out here thinking, so your man's up in the comments. Can Let me back imagine? away. This how someone's trying to slide into your DM. And this man is spoiling your market. Very good point. So I think having the conversation and literally sitting down with him and saying, or even redressing boundaries, if it's a case mm. of it's him being friendly, okay, you need to articulate that his friendliness is being perceived as flirtation. Yeah. So he needs to behave. Yeah. Or like he needs to, because there are, there are a couple of like guys that I know, for example, in terms of they can be, what they do can be perceived as flirtation, mm. but you actually just need to have the conversation of this is my boundary here. And this is what this looks like or yeah. sounds like to me. Yeah. So I'm going to need you to stop yeah. or I'm going to need you to pause or like chill out on that. Yeah. Um, especially if it's something that other people are perceiving and not just you. Because like I said, it's spoiling your market. Sis, and, um, <gasps> Big time. You a young spring chicken. You know Big what I'm saying? Time. Can't be out here in public. Yeah. In public. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. In public. Um, so yeah, definitely, I wouldn't say this is a cut the friendship off because it's best friends, you know? I'm sure you guys have some really exciting, you know, experiences yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And you guys are fairly young, so it Very might even be so. a thing of like a grow and glow type situation mm. where there is some growing that needs to occur. Mm. Like you both are very, very young. He may not know what constitutes as like very flirtatious, yeah. or very, you know, friendly. Yeah. Um, so that may be a journey that both of you guys need to go through. Um, and I think also understanding and working through your own feelings, because mm. it's clear that you still have feelings for this person mm. and 
yeah, if understanding what would your response be either way. So yeah. if he does say, you know, I do fancy you, or I do like you, then, you know, what would your response be? Yeah. Or if he says, no, actually it's a friendship type situation, understanding that you need to process and get over that is really important yeah. for the friendship to continue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say to that. Yeah. I, I like this dilemma. Does he like me? Does he like me not? Mm, 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 mm. Very classic, traditional. Classic. Uh, dilemma to have as a as a woman as a fair maiden as a fair um, maiden so yeah i i think that that's really good advice actually mm. i think preparing yourself for any possible outcome yeah and it's good actually that you have the the foresight to be able to do that before you have that conversation so rather than you know being caught off guard i know just process through every possible option and then Re- basically rehearse your reaction yeah there you go i like that and if he says no just oh yeah i never thought i, I didn't i didn't like you either no i'm trolling <laughs> i'm trolling i'm trolling i'm trolling but lots of love sis we hope that the situation gets resolved sure. in a healthy and you know wholesome way sure. and of course sisters we've definitely been noticing some of y'all been uh responding to the dilemmas in the comments yes and we love it it takes the onus off of us we do, we do. Um, but also we know that a lot of you guys have so much wisdom to share and we want to make sure that this is a community where mm. you feel comfortable enough to do that so if you do have any additions to the dilemma solving please drop them like it's hot in the comments yeah. below and if you are listening on another platform guys join us on YouTube come <laughs> on we know you want to we know you want to and something very special is coming when we hit a specific uh, number Oh, yes, yes. When when y'all decide to hop on over to the YouTube family, (laughs) you will be rewarded. Okay, okay, I just. Now, getting into the main meal of this three course. So kind of a disclaimer to this, we are not licensed therapists and we are talking on experience and how we've been able to process through our own personal experiences. Um. We are still works in progress and we are also people who allow ourselves room to grow and glow. And in that we're giving ourselves rooms to say something that you may not agree with. And we want to hear your thoughts in the comments as well. But I I really wanted to outline, we are not. We are absolutely not. We are learning. We are reading. We are studying. We are doing what we can. We do the work. We definitely do the work. We pray. (laughs) We definitely pray. Um, but we aren't therapists. And yeah. so if you are actually seeking to find a professional therapist, you can I help. know it. Girl, you already know. I know you it. can you can actually find somebody to help you work through this issue, similar to what I did actually. Helping you work through these issues, these feelings. Um, even if you don't know that this is a problem until you listen to this episode, yeah. you can go and find accessible and affordable therapy on where I get my therapy, which is better help. You can get linked to so many different, um, this video isn't sponsored by BetterHelp, but if you do use our link, it does help us create more content and yeah. help grow the community because um, we do get an, a commission and an affiliate, but it doesn't cost you extra or anything like that. BetterHelp is super affordable um, and it's really accessible because it's all done virtually and you get access to therapists all over the world who are qualified, who know about this stuff way more than we know about this stuff and can actually help you heal um, and help you process through these feelings that you have. So if you are looking for a therapist, which we always recommend that you do um, just head to the link in the description here it will also be in the show notes on spotify or apple but if you are listening it is betterhelp.com forward slash to my sisters love to see it love to see it 
Brace yourself. The sibling, the sibling relationships. And what I really love about this particular topic is a lot of us, when we're talking about family, talk about the vertical relationships, Mm. right? We think about generations, our grandparents, our parents, Mm. and we don't really spare a thought for our horizontal relationships and how we engage with like our brothers and our sisters and all of that kind of good stuff. So having this whole concept of the eldest daughter i think is a really great like you know doorway into those conversations about our relationships with our siblings so miss courtney hello i believe you are an eldest daughter of sorts of sorts (laughs) 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 complex family dynamics um complex family dynamics but yes growing up in my household i was the eldest daughter Mm. of my mother's children i am the eldest daughter Mm -hmm. um and it's an interesting place to hold but i believe that this is something we share in common miss renee (laughs) most unfortunate i'm joking i'm joking yes i too am the eldest daughter of my mother's children um although not the eldest sibling funnily enough so i have yes, an older brother yeah shout out to my older brother how you doing bro <laughs> i won't name him because i know that some of you guys will go and uh, fight him, him. <laughs> <laughs> but i do have a older brother and then i have two little sisters lovely so, yeah lovely but to break into the conversation courtney i thought we should start with something a little bit more positive because i think okay. it's really easy to kind of be like oh i'm an eldest daughter I'm help an eldest me sister. send help, help me I'm, I'm dying send help what do you enjoy about being the eldest daughter <sighs> what do i enjoy about being the eldest daughter um i okay <laughs> i don't know trying to dig deep to find it because <laughs> it's buried under a lot of stuff i don't know if this is specifically about um having that particular position yeah but i do think that just generally having siblings is lit yeah like yeah, i i yeah. love having siblings yeah um i love the fact that like there are other people who can so resonate and relate to and empathize with my life because they grew up in the same environments I grew up in, have the same history that I do Mm. um, and know me more intimately pretty much than anyone in the world. I really love that. Mm. I think very superficial, but being the oldest uh, daughter or one of the elder siblings, I love the fact that like, I can boss people around and yeah. so just be like, I'm sorry, but by virtue of the fact that this is my sibling position, mm-hmm. these are your tasks. <laughs> <laughs> But that expires very quickly when oh. your your younger siblings hit adolescence and they know their rights. Yeah, very unfortunately, sad. it's a very sad. short-lived experience. Mm. Um, but I think the the first daughter position, yeah, because it comes with so much responsibility and so many expectations. Mm. It can be very difficult to walk that path. Um, and that those negatives kind of overshadow any positive experience you have for a minute, mm. for it. Because similarly, I have elder siblings and still I feel like the weight of being a um, first daughter is basically like, in fact, it can be heavier than the weight of being the first child. Because if the first child is a boy, you kind of get some certain privileges. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that that overshadows everything yeah, for me. Yeah. So like when, I, when I'm struggling to think of what's great about being the first daughter, I think that's why. Yeah. Because the negatives are like they're just so prevalent i don't Mm. i don't know if i can personally pinpoint this is a key benefit of being the first daughter Mm. in a family Mm. um 
I think maybe further down the line, yeah. you if you do manage to kind of like pass all the tests and jump over all the uh, hurdles, I think you are then acclaimed mm. and given some kind of affirmation for being successful and being yeah. a good example and yeah. for being the one who set pace for your younger siblings. But I think that is not enough reward for how much tribulation goes into having to be that forerunner, having to be the person who sets the example. Yeah. Um, I personally don't think that that's an upside because I think once you do get acknowledged for, oh, thank you for all your effort. Thank you for basically being a second mom. Thank you for, it's like, okay, but I'm full of so much resentment towards the fact that I had to do all these things. I don't want to be awarded for my suffering. Mm. And I think that that's like one mm. of the key parts of being an older sibling yeah. or an older sibling or an or, uh, the eldest daughter. Yeah. Even when you do get that applause, it's like, but I didn't want to play this role anyway. So save it. Do you get yeah. what I mean? That's, that's why I'm struggling to think of the positives. The positives. As you can see, this is a very weighty subject uh, for me. Bro. But anyways, I'm going to, I don't know. Okay. Me going to bust the mic. Okay. So yeah, I resonate strongly with every sentiment that you shared there. I think, you know, being an eldest sibling, specifically yeah. daughter, I think I resonate strongly with what you said about passing all the hurdles. And now that you're somebody of acclaim within the mm. family, it's like, <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> That's so funny. It's true. Someone with acclaim. <laughs> you know, somebody, she turned out all right. Yeah. Um, when you've gotten to a certain point for me, especially kind of like early adulthood, right? Mm. It's very much like, oh, so you are an adult and you've done all yeah. of these kind of things and you are self-sufficient yeah. and, you know, you are a prime example of, you know, a, a good kid. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's difficult to enjoy that positive because it's come from such trial and tribulation and such uh, the consequences of your rebellion. It's come from so much having been under so much pressure really and so i think much pressure. listen if you're from a household where there are very uh let's say interesting ideologies or you know structures like patriarchy <laughs> in place it can be quite difficult if you are the kind of person that is actively challenging those things as well mm. so i think part of the struggle of being at least for me being um the eldest daughter is having to simultaneously battle with all of these responsibilities and all of these things that I have to do as and function as an eldest daughter Mm. within you know the the remit of like patriarchy and household and all of that kind of stuff and then also trying to find the space where I actively challenge those things and actively challenge them as being part of my identity and all of that jazz so yeah I guess a positive is yeah I've become my own person but at what cost Mm. at what cost Mm. Um, I've become independent I've become self-sufficient and I love the fact that like I have such a strong relationship with all of my siblings by virtue of being you know eldest daughter yeah um and have but you know taken the role of like nurturing yeah in in several different places but at what cost yeah at what cost because I ain't gonna lie to you they were I'm tired I was tired girl I was tired and I think Obviously, we've spoken a little bit about the little positives about being the <laughs> eldest daughter. But I think moving on to, I guess, the more unsavory parts yeah. of being um, an eldest daughter. Mm. Um, so for me, <laughs> for me, uh, it's interesting because I was looking into this whole idea of like uh, first daughter syndrome. Mm. Um, 
or firstborn syndrome, but mm. more so firstborn daughter syndrome. Right. And this whole idea, I was just looking at the list of like the things that are indicative of whether you have eldest daughter syndrome. Mm-hmm. One of them being, you know, confident and advisor to like your parents, right. for example, um, taking on a nurturing role to your yeah. younger siblings, being disproportionately punished for certain rebellious yeah. acts. Um, being independent and self-sufficient in adulthood as a result of having to do the same when you're yeah. a kid. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. If you wanted to at me, my app is <laughs> at Renee Kapuku. Just, just put my picture just here. Put my picture just here. put my picture here. And I was just thinking, wow, in terms of what I was saying earlier about having all of these things and all of these benefits, but yeah. at what cost? And yeah. realizing that these kind of experiences that we go through as the firstborn daughter mm is the cost yeah. of being this kind of person later yeah. on, as well as it manifesting in so many other things like high functioning anxiety, mm. um, trying to be a people pleaser, mm. um, not really coping with like rebellion and like where, where does your identity lie? Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you think are some of the uh, negatives of being a first born oh, daughter? Gosh, how, how deep could I go into this? Um, okay. So similarly, I was doing like a lot of reading, a lot of like, just looking at for different resources and examples of this situation. Cause I know I've lived it, but yeah. I really wanted to know, like I wasn't crazy. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. Just yeah. going to come and project so much. Onto. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but for any, I guess for anyone who doesn't really know what we're talking about, cause I feel like we've gone into this with the assumption that mm-hmm. like people get it because it is our life. Yeah, like yeah. it is actually we can just talk about this forever for sure. because it's what we've lived. But for somebody who is more like, oh, why are they speaking so negatively? I've really enjoyed I being the it. first daughter. Life's been great I and functional it. for me. Um, essentially, the uh, eldest daughter syndrome is like, you have become a surrogate parent. Mm. That's that's basically it. So you've you've become you are a child, of course. And yep. whether this happened um more it mainly happens more so distinctively in your childhood. Yeah. So whilst you're going through that experience of growing up um formative years, you because you hold that position um in the birth order as the firstborn daughter, mm. because women are t- tend to be socialized as nurturers and caregivers, you're early training is your siblings, right? So depending on the cultural context you grew up in, because in certain cultures, this is not a thing. Mm. It's it's not really, whilst the older siblings do have unhealthy expectations put on them for them to set examples, yep. it kind of ends there. You're an example to your siblings. Whereas eldest daughter syndrome and most people who go through this being the firstborn, they are relegated to a position of not only being an example, but actually being a caregiver mm-hmm. and a source of nurturing, a yep. source of um socialization and a source of parenting for their younger siblings yeah the reason why that can become so dangerous and i think that has it leads to these negative effects is when you are put in the position of a parent as a child the first thing that actually happens to you is you were kind of put in the position of a spouse to your Mm, parents mm, 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 mm. that's the first hurdle you kind of have to unpack when you are dealing with healing from this situation Mm. not only am i a second mother i am also to a degree another wife Mm. or a husband that is one of the most discombobulating things to have to realize about yourself Mm. that your mother or your father turned you into their spouse in reading more about this i discovered that there are some key things we need from our parents while we are growing up and that is 
them being attuned to us, mm-hmm. them being responsive to us, mm-hmm. them being engaged with us, um, them being able to regulate our, um, regulate us when we are stressed out. Yeah. Um, them being strong enough to handle our negative emotions and them willing to repair when they they have created or there is a disconnection between us and them. Mm. So between us and our parents, those mm. are six things, right? And the source of this is actually an amazing podcast I'm listening to at the moment called The Place We Find Ourselves. Um, and it's, ah, oh, this is just episode two wow. that, that was killing me. So I highly oh recommend God. that everybody listen to this. But basically the reason why I bring this up is not only do eldest daughters, when they are put in the position of parents, have to provide this for their siblings yeah it's something that they are denied by their parents Mm. because their parents see them as co-equals rather than children right yeah oftentimes when you have become the husband to your mother or the wife to your dad it's because one the spouse is absent Mm -hmm. the the spouse whose place you're taking is absent yeah or they are emotionally absent Mm. so even if your parent lives in the home with you or is in their marriage they may be neglecting or denying their spouse the things that they need to have a healthy relationship, right? So they're not attuned, they're not responsive, they're not engaged, etc. If your husband is not attuned with, engaging with, or responsive to you, but you know you need those things to flourish as a person, you're going to go and seek it from whoever is next, Mm. whoever is closest. And that will often be the child you consider to be the most mature. And the maturity is not based off of character, it's based off of age right and and just the simple proximity that next in line in terms of responsibility in this family is a child that is the oldest so you now go and seek this attentiveness this engagement this emotional um support and all of these things even re- like financial support yeah. or whatever support yeah. from this child in you needing all of this stuff needing this emotional companionship needing this support mm. you are denying the child of receiving those things because you're using them as a source. You're not seeing them as a vessel that needs to be filled. And I think that that is one of the biggest sadnesses Mm. that come with being the eldest daughter or being a surrogate, surrogate parent within your household. You are not parented. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. The issue with that is now who is there to help you in those formative years, not only discover your identity, but Mm -hmm. also form as a functional human being. So oftentimes oldest siblings, not only are they matured super quickly, but even in their need to mature, they are actually unable to do it because their brain is not at the level that it needs to be at to be able to process through certain experiences that Mm. a a wife, a husband or a parent would Mm -hmm. be able to Mm -hmm. as a grown adult. Mm. So another factor to being the eldest daughter or being the firstborn is who is going to help you overcome your shortcomings? Who is going to tell you that your failure is okay? Who is going to tell you that in your times of anger, in your times of rage, that naturally come as a human being in those feelings and also in the life experiences that you're having outside of the household, being bullied at school, failing in a particular class or even succeeding, Mm. who is there to tell you that this is okay, this is not okay, this is how you deal with failure, this is how you deal with success. If you are not allowed to fail or be somebody who is developing because you always have to show up as a fully formed person. It is challenging Mm. because then when you grow up and the way you see it manifest is you don't allow yourself to go through processes of growth 
You don't allow yourself to fail. Mm. You don't allow yourself to see yourself as somebody who is evolving constantly because you, from the time you were a child, just had to be there and perfect to be able to provide and support somebody else's emotional provisional needs. So then how do you have grace for yourself? How do you have patience for yourself? Mm. Like you listed, instead you learn to care for everybody else but yourself. And if you're not careful, it leads to either a toxic, you allow people to take advantage of you or you completely shut people out and your life is completely defined by resentment and bitterness. And I don't want anybody to approach me even in an attempt to love me because I see everybody trying to draw from my knowledge, from my, um, my wisdom, from my energy as depleting me. And I think that's where I've often found myself. Mm. I don't want to make new friends because I'm tired. And this tiredness has followed me from childhood. Or I don't want to be in another relationship because I don't want to have to mother someone else. Because what I'm used to is, even though we're told we are co-equals in in terms of your siblings, Mm. even though I'm told me and my siblings are on the same level, Mm -hmm. I will always have to assume the above position. And like you were saying, instead of being in a vertical relationship, you're in a horizontal relationship now where you have to be someone else's caregiver. If I am now in a a romantic relationship, I don't see it as a partnership. I see it as me basically bearing the weight of somebody else's needs. I'm tired. And that can be so hard when you're trying to move in friendship, relationship, community, where you co-serve people. It can either be that you have no expectation that people will serve you, Mm. or you don't even want to serve anyone because you don't want those doors to be open. And that's when your your attachment style kind of becomes determined. Um, and lastly, sorry, I've rambled no, on keep it, keep so it going, much. Keep it going. Rambled on so much. But really and truly, our parents really are there to serve our needs. Yep. And a lot of us struggle with this idea of expressing, I need to be loved. I need time. I need care. I need resources. Because we know when I went to my mum that time to ask her for something, she wasn't able to give it to me. She made me feel as though I should not have asked mm-hmm. or I didn't eat. I already knew based on her past behavior towards me or my dad's past behavior towards me that I shouldn't ask. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't ask anyone mm-hmm. in my life for things. Why? Because I shouldn't expect anything. And then you kind of contextualize all of these things and your parents' bad behavior because you're like, my mom or my dad is going through a hard time. Uh, I just saw my mom and dad fight. I've seen my mom. She's crying. My dad is really angry. Um, so I just don't want to put extra pressure on them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you begin to like give padding to their bad behavior towards you and so as you grow up either you hugely resent your parents for doing that or you actually don't identify it as wrong Mm. your parents become like friends to you rather than you actually putting expectations on them to be your parent and also to to be able to sit in the fact that they fell short because a lot of us want to create context where our parents can still be perfect even though we recognize they're imperfect people we still want them to kind of still be perfect in our mind yeah so we we're like i know she didn't do this or i know he didn't do that but it's because xyz they look at the family they grew up in look at all these things that were going on around them and it's like no sit in the fact your parents failed you sit in it just just know why because if you don't recognize that you'll think when you go to parent it's okay to have excuses and that's not to say to put an unhealthy pressure on yourself to be perfect but it is to say your children 
or and children require their parents to show up for them. They require their their parents to not expect much from them, mm-hmm. but simply to pour and pour and pour and keep pouring into them their personalities, their souls, their heart, their needs. That's what you're committing to when you're saying, I want to be a parent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a, just another accessory to your mm-hmm. family. And this is also not yeah. you giving birth to a co-laborer. Yeah. I'm not your co-laborer yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, That's your spouse. Oh. That's your family. Yeah. That is not me. I am here to be needy AF. That's my job. And elder daughter, elder daughter syndrome, you're not allowed to need. You're not allowed to want. All you have to do is give. All you have to do is serve in your position because you can see that there is a lack, whether that be a parent is absent, there's a lack of resources, there's a lack of um, emotional availability even coming from your parents. So now you need to not only support your parents, but you need to also support your siblings emotionally. Mm -hmm. Your siblings cannot go to your parents and say, I'm being bullied. So instead they come to you and you fill that gap because you know the pain of having an absent parent and you don't want them to have experienced that. You want them to have someone there for them. But Mm. then the question is, who's there for you? Mm. Because you then don't want to ask your younger siblings to be there for you because once maybe they don't know nothing. Secondly, it's unfair and you live the experience of that unfairness. Yeah. And I think that that's, it, it hits you from so many different places. Like when we we're doing the daddy issues episode, I went home and I was like, damn, daddy issues are ruining my life. And I was like, no, it's, it's definitely the eldest daughter thing. It's, it's more so the elder daughter thing because having a, an absent father means you now step into the role of husband. Yeah. A, a young girl forming Stepping into the role of being somebody's husband, husband. is one of the most dysfunctional. The Even thing. the sentence doesn't make it's sense. It's the worst thing. But anyway, I've rambled on. This has no. been my segment of the <laughs> podcast. No, it's, no, it's really well, have you seen the meme? I, I'm a head out. I'm a head so, out. So yeah, Ain't that's, else that's basically, if, if you want to be attacked from all levels on that whole being a spouse to your parent thing, go and listen to episode two of The Place We Find Ourselves because I think um, he's a psychologist and a counsellor. His yeah. name really escapes me right now. Um, but the way he explains it, radically beautiful. Wow. But so painful. I love that. Yeah. That's what we need though. Radically beautiful, but so painful. <laughs> yes. Wow. Courtney, yeah. you, Wow. Yeah. I love you, man. Love you too, man. That was good. <laughs> that was real meat. Like, Sorry for even, rambling for oh, so long, no, but I was trying that, to put my thoughts together. That as wasn't well. rambling. That was perfectly articulated. Yeah. You touched on so many like pertinent points and damn, I'm even scrambling. I'm trying to find my edges because they kind of they whilst you were talking, they were like uh, pluck, 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 pluck. Yeah. And now I'm looking for the JBCO to stitch <laughs> them back together again. <laughs> but no, I literally love I love what you said about eldest daughters assuming the role of spouse and this whole normalization of giving without receiving right because there's so many of us and to be honest you don't necessarily have to be an eldest daughter for this to be your reality Mm. but more so for eldest daughters it often is the case that this is their reality so good and whilst i think it's really interesting on the part of like eldest daughters we're forced to mature really quickly i can imagine for the last born they stay in that role of kid forever but this is not your episode guys we'll (laughs) we'll deal with you another time But in speaking to like my little sisters, understanding that like for parents, it's kind of like, okay, the eldest daughter is the, you know, responsibility holder whilst Mm. the last born or the middle kids tend to be the, they're they're, they're kids. They're kids. Forever. They're kids. Forever. Yeah. They're not allowed to grow. Um, And I love what you were saying about the fact 
that it manifests so much in the relationships that we have. I definitely was the kind of person whereby I found it difficult to articulate my needs Mm. because I was never really given the space to do that Mm. in a functional way, right? And I also love what you said about recognizing when your parents have failed you. Because I think it's so hard. It's so hard, especially if you are, you know, I think class also has a big deal. Oh, because... You know, if you grew up broke, you, <laughs> you ain't got no choice. <laughs> you are the child maker. And I think it's that you are balance. the cooker. There we you go. are the cleaner. There we you go. are the one helping with the homework because mum's doing go. seven shifts and then so that on the lights don't turn that, off. And on top of that, if you are from like a first generation migrant family, dealing with the fact that there's a disconnect between your parents and these institutions and you having to be the bridgeway between the two, Ooh. it's a lot. I was looking at some of the comments and hearing and reading the experiences of, you know, filling out forms for your yes. parents or, you know, liaising on behalf of your parents. Yeah. There were times where for me, I was talking to like GP receptionists also. Oh, council. This is not to shade GP receptionists, but some of you guys are rude. <laughs> Massively. Very, very rude. Massively. And it's just gotten to a point where it's like, if I'm hearing disrespect or if I'm hearing, you know, <laughs> somebody speaking to my mother type of way, I'm I, like, give me the phone. I will, I will handle it. I will. Because I, I don't know who, you're, who you think you're speaking 100%. to. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's even these small responsibilities that yes. we've taken on. Yes. We now find it very, very difficult to process that, but also demand love. Because we all deserve to be loved. And yeah. that's part of the reason why uh, like many of us find it so difficult to find so love. Hard. And then I feel like there's two sides of the spectrum, right? As you were saying, the side of the spectrum where we find it difficult to articulate our need for love. We find it really, really difficult to let people in. Mm. And we find ourselves very lonely or we find ourselves in situations where we keep on seeing that cycle of having people that deplete us come into mm. our lives because that's the only like form of love that we've that normalized, we've, yeah. right? That's the only form of love that we've seen. Yeah. Or the flip side where we actually actively go seeking really unhealthy unhealthy or toxic people to fill the gaps that our parents never filled. We find ourselves in these relationships with people who are able to provide to us, mm. but what they're providing to us is toxic. Mm. It's like looking for you know, fruits and all of that kind of stuff, but not realizing that it's poisonous. Right. 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 And because the only thing that we've seen is toxic, we're not even able to recognize our toxic need Mm. in eating that fruit. Mm. So we find ourselves with abusive partners. Mm. It doesn't even have to be physically abusive. It can be emotionally abusive, but because they're giving us something that we didn't have at all, attention, um, because they're giving us some form of like, financial stability because they're giving us some form of stability and fulfillment we're not recognizing that this fulfillment is actually depleting us even more by Mm. killing us slowly and i think it's just so interesting how and not even interesting sad sad is the right word i think it's so deplorable and sad (laughs) she sounded deplorable (laughs) i think it's so deplorable and sad that for many of us as siblings and people Mm. children Mm. that have had to take up this mantle because this is what it is it's us stepping up it evokes the image of a kid wearing their parents sandals it never really fits and what's really interesting is even as we grow that image is still there there was something that you said i think in one of our like past conversations Mm. where when you look at people sometimes it feels like you can see the child peeking through the eyes of the adult and i feel like for a lot of eldest siblings and a lot of eldest daughters in particular They've remained that child peeking out of an adult's form, but the adult's form 
was formed when they were a kid. Mm. So they've never even experienced being the kid. It's just them in like a kid, literally in the house of an adult. And they've never had that opportunity to really grow or mature. And another thing, let me stop before I start rambling. No, go there. This whole tendency towards perfectionism. I was definitely there. This whole, I need to please, high-functioning anxiety. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of having to, you know, and I think... The pressure of having to live up to other people's conceptions of you starts Mm. there because you're already given this whole idea of you need to show up here because somebody didn't show up there. You need to, you know, nurture and take care of, you know, your little siblings because you don't want them to go through the same things that you went through. And as noble as it is to take up that mantle, it isn't right. Mm. It's not. It's not normal. Let's not normalize, you know, eldest daughters taking up these mantles. They're still kids. We're still kids. This is the thing. And it's not fair this is the thing and we're tired <laughs> exhausted we're exhausted. tired and i think it's e- it even lends you more because a lot of in a while you know when people see us and like oh my god you're so wise and you're so young and it's, it's trauma is it i i really want you to know this is the trauma um because That's one good. thing that you learn to do <laughs> when you are the in that kind of dysfunctional situation is self-regulate yeah right 100 one of the things you need from your parents is to teach you that it's okay to be angry, but this is how you control it and create safe environments where you actually can show them weakness, anger, um, even rage, like deep, Mm. deep anger Mm -hmm. at situations, right? When you see kids like having um, basically fits, like when you see them just throwing temper tantrums and stuff, how their parents react to them is very important in forming their response to themselves and to other people, right? Mm. When you are in the position of, daughter husband or son husband or daughter wife whatever it may be even son wife whatever Mm. when you're in the position of being your parent's spouse you have to self-regulate your parent doesn't have time to deal with your fits because they need you to show up as a fully developed adult like you're saying you develop that armor of okay I will now learn how to best deal with my anger my and all the negative vices that come with humanity. I'm going to mm. learn how to deal with that outside of my parents so that when my parent is present, I can show up for them in the way they need. And that's why a lot of us are young and develop very bad coping mechanisms. We develop very bad. We become extremely self-reflective and self-aware yeah. very early yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And all of it is through the the lens of suppression rather than actually allowing yourself to fully feel emotions. Oh, Courtney, so that is so good. So even if you have like, I, when I was younger, I had pent up anger. Yeah, and it's yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. biggest things that sent me to therapy. I can get very angry because mm. I don't know how to process through anger. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if one thing tick that, and it takes a long while for me to get there, but once I'm there, ticking red, time. Red, red. Red. Devil, like manic i i will tear everything <laughs> i will tear everything in my path mm. um, and it's something i'm really like asking god to heal me over mm. because Mm-mm-mm. who is there to help you deal with those feelings of anger when yeah. you cannot be angry around your parents because yeah. they need you to be calm yeah. so that they can be angry yeah. or so that they can process through the hurt and the pain that they're feeling or so that they can process through the fact that they're frustrated at work and they're offloading that onto you like they would a spouse or a therapist or a therapist or a therapist and now you can't be angry because mm-hmm. either you're that's a whole different issue with parenting in terms of like your parents like being extremely too militant in disciplining you 
that's another issue. But they're probably, you've, you feel as though there is no space for you to be angry. There is no space for you to express your true emotions and feelings because your parent has taken up all that space. Yeah, They've taken up all that space to be able to be free in their own emotions, to be able to be angry, sad, happy, whatever they're feeling. And they overwhelm you with that and they mm. don't help you process through mm-hmm, yours. Mm-hmm. And so why did I bring this up again? Um, and so when people are like, oh, you're so mature, you're so, um, self-disciplined, you're so self-aware, you're so self-reflective, actually it's hyper self-regulation. I know how to regulate myself to accommodate for other people's madness. And that's why you then end up in toxic environments because even though I am being, provoked mm-hmm. even though i am being abused mm-hmm. even though i am and this is not victim planning I'm, I'm just giving this as an example even though i am in an environment where i'm being taken advantage of i know how to accommodate for other people's bad behavior yeah because yeah, i've yeah, been yeah. doing it for my whole life boy, oh boy. i know how to accommodate for other people's madness i know how to be a soundboard for other people even if it's not me being a soundboard it's actually me being a sponge and it's actually me receiving somebody's rage manifest in abusing me somebody's i know how to self-regulate so that i can be in that position of being meeting someone's needs Mm. even if their needs harm me like you're illustrating and i think that that's one of the again one of the most painful things about this elder syndrome thing or being a, a, a child parent because who is there to tell you you don't have to take everyone's bs because you've been taking it for a while, right? But also, who is there to say, actually, you've built up too many coping mechanisms. Mm. All these addictions and all these dependencies that you have and watching porn from a young age, being addicted to alcohol and drugs, um, being too dependent on your friends in an unhealthy way or jumping into relationships from 12, 13. It's because you matured way too quickly. So even... And people take advantage of it, right? Yeah, they do. You see these daughter mums, (laughs) let me me just call them that, daughter mums, getting to relationships. Either they are avoidant, they're massively avoidant of relationships, or they get into relationships from like 11. And And I'm talking about fully blown relationships, sex and all. Listen. Because they're grown. These, a lot of these babes are the ones that are cooking for mandem from the second date. I'm telling you. Mac and cheese and chicken wings. Listen. Listen, and because the only love they have seen or demonstrated is mothering, they're mothering their partners. They're out here doing all the, and this is why so they I'm keep clicking. on, they keep on getting taken a mockery for. They're mothering their partners. Hmm. They're mothering the people in their lives. And this is why, you know, and, and the thing is when the guy even leaves, Sha, they'll be out here saying, I gave you everything. But yeah. did he ask you to? But then also God help you if you end up with a guy, you find it because a lot of guys go through this on the flip. Yeah. You end up with a guy who's had to be a husband to their mom. Oh boy. And that's how you get mommy's boys. Yeah. <laughs> Child, I ain't got time for that one. Girl. And a lot of the way this massively manifests, especially in the life of men is Mm. when you have had to be a husband to your mom, your father despises you. Yeah. Yeah. How do you then have good accountability with other men when your experience with your primary male figure in your life is hatred? How do you then let somebody else, a man, discipline you? Wow. So you see a lot of men have no issue. Well, first of all, they'll have no accountability or... 
they'll be accountable to the women in yeah, their lives. But good. those women in their lives will help, will allow them to cross certain boundaries because they exert their masculine power mm. and they exert the, I'm a man you wouldn't fully understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then if you were with a man who understood, who could put you in your place, that dis- that relationship is hard to build Rightfully so, because your experience with your father was one of envy, hatred, jealousy. And then a lot of women on the flip side also experienced their mothers being jealous of them because they were fulfilling the needs, emotional needs of their father through this kind of like emotionally incestuous relationship of being their father's surrogate wife because their mother didn't fulfill their father's emotional needs, right? So then you kind of get mothers who are like, she thinks she's all that. Who does she think she is? It's giving Oedipus. Oedipus complex. It's giving a lot of Oedipus. And there you go. A lot of that. A lot is heavy. It's so dysfunctional. That is the so dysfunctional. God help us who grew up in cultures where this level of dysfunction is normalized. Dysfunction. Because it's just culture. We have parents who parented their siblings, even more than we parented our siblings. They were actually their siblings' parents, literally. Where our grandparents and great-grandparents may have gotten married when they were 14, 15. And you still kind of see it mirrored in our parents to us. When I was your age, I was married. When I was your age, I was this. I was doing this. I was being able to provide this. this, And it's like, and that wasn't healthy. It's clear that when you were my age, you were doing this. And also, we are living in a very different time. Exactly. And I think that that's one of the, um, like you were saying, things that can get lost in translation when you are kind of crossing cultures or living in kind of a hybrid culture Mm. within your household where outside society may not actually mirror what's happening inside your four walls of home. Yeah. And so, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we take your offering in. Fa- Mary, can you bring the basket? <laughs> Broadening out the conversation a little bit more to talking about sibling relationships. Yeah. Because when we talk about family, you know, it's always parent-child. And Oh, my God. I had so much yeah. childhood trauma. <laughs> my parents, they hated me. Um Let's talk about those horizontal relationships, yeah. you know, being the eldest daughter, of course, but knowing that you have brothers and sisters, mm. why is it so important, particularly for women to have healthy, functioning sibling relationships? And what do these look like? Rah. Um, I think because these are some of the primary relationships you have in your formative years, Mm -hmm. it's really important to invest in your siblings as much as possible. Mm. Um, and also make sure that they're investing in having a healthy relationship with you because friend siblings is one of those um relationships where it can easily be one you see of convenience yeah because we live together probably because we even share a room because we grew up together we are forced to have relationship however just like friendship just like romantic relationships your siblings at some point especially as they are becoming their own individual people will actually to a degree need to be pursued by you they actually need to be understood because they are not you yeah and they are also not your assumptions of them yeah because they also have have a life outside of you Mm. and because um kind of talking in the same vein of like main character energy for example our our siblings are 
automatically supporting roles in our lives yeah and it can be very hard to actually see them as main characters mm-hmm. in their life i think we've mm-hmm. talked about this before when our younger siblings have been like okay i'm going out with my friends what friends <laughs> i am your friend <laughs> you got sibling. friends what do you mean where did they live you where did a, they come from you have friends and then you become and especially if you have this elder daughter syndrome you can kind of become anxious because mm. you're like so similar to how a, p- a parent would be who is my child gonna be with yeah. who is influencing them are they in danger Yeah. And you have to also give your siblings the freedom that you would expect to have as an individual person. Mm. So I think that's that's one of the first things you kind of have to unpack as like an elder sibling. Mm -hmm. I think another key factor that is important um, in keeping good relationships with your siblings egg you actually influence the way they form relationships with other people oh, yeah. and their view of themselves mm-hmm. um you are one of the greatest influences in their life right and whether you are older or younger whatever their proximity to you and the fact that they know you more vulnerably than anybody else their approval their disapproval of you your character and whatever it is that you do actually may matter more to you than mm. anyone else right whether you like them or not yeah. the fact that they are so close to you whether they feel close emotionally or whatever, the fact that they know you more than anyone, they probably know more about your dysfunctions than anybody else does. Um, the yeah. times where your parents were off to work, they knew what you were going yeah. up to. Your siblings know you. They've seen you at your ugliest. They've seen you at your ugliest and at your worst. I can definitely attest to that for yeah, my siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've seen you at your worst. And so they can actually see through the pretense Mm. and they will probably be the greatest source of feedback as to whether the work you're doing on this glowing and growing journey as as a woman is actually working because they know you and they've seen your dysfunctions and what you've been through and they've probably been on the receiving end of negative things that not only you experienced but also that you perpetrated and so I think it's important to kind of hold them close enough um, to allow them to see that vulnerability but also have an input into your life but I also think it's important for you to pay attention to the way you've negatively affected them or positively affected them and reinforce the positives or really work on overcoming the negative and apologize because mm. i think one thing that we often see from our primary caregivers aka our parents is there's never a, a desire apology. to rebuild those connections mm. and an apology and mm. and, a, and, a, and, a, and an and an acknowledgement of wrongdoing but i think in knowing that now it's easier to kind of look to your siblings and be like, oh, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I acted like that. I don't want to be another um, perpetrator of not building connections with you yeah. and, and not rebuilding broken connections with you. And so um, that's kind of ways that you can actively do it. But I think just it is important to have good relationship with your siblings. However, as somebody who doesn't have a great relationship with some of their siblings, sometimes some people need to be let go. And that's actually okay. Just because you were born with the same blood as someone doesn't actually mean you have to do life with them forever. You can actually erect very firm and solid boundaries between people you share blood with. And I think that whilst it's not something you want to do, if it does get to that position of two, one person or two people being unwilling to actually build a healthy functional relationship. Yeah. If you are in a toxic environment, just because somebody go. is related to you, you gotta, you go. gotta go. And oftentimes we see this play out in terms of siblings um, because we, we grow into individual people. And like I said, it's no longer out of convenience anymore. I need you to intentionally love me. And in, in your ability to intentionally love me and love me well is based on you getting to know me as a person. 100. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to get to know our, our 
siblings as individual people we see them through the lens of our upbringing what we saw in childhood some of us haven't even allowed our younger siblings like we were expressing to actually grow up in our mind's eye because i know what you were like when you were running Mm -hmm. around in diapers i'm not that person anymore so now what I've, i've got so many other experiences that have compounded and made this unique experience in existence that is me that you don't know about because you won't take the time to actually get to know me that takes time though and that takes effort so yeah absolutely and in commenting just on your last point insofar as erecting those boundaries it makes me think of the popular phrase blood is thicker than water which is actually a misnomer guys that's not the correct educate them boo that is not the correct phrase the actual elongated correct phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb which is basically exactly what you were saying right if someone has not made the commitment or the covenant with you to have a healthy functioning relationship unfortunately (laughs) You gotta go. <laughs> I don't care if your half sibling, yeah. quarter related to me, fully related, three quarters related to me. If you're trying to do the work and no one is willing to meet you halfway, mm. then sometimes it's a case of I've got to actually protect myself, which is fine. Um, but obviously, in the best case scenario, we want healthy relationships everywhere. Yeah. And do be mindful of the fact that your sisters and brothers will become uncles and aunties. And when you finally bring, you know, somebody home, they're going to have to meet the rest of your craziness. Yeah. They're going to be brothers in laws and sisters in laws. So it's really important to actually invest in those relationships now because they're part of your community too. Yeah. We jump to romantic relationships, but now we're also jumping to friendships. And it's like, you need to, your house is in disarray. Your house is not Your house, order. your actual, how can you expect, right? A lot of us are like, when I become a parent or when I become whatever, when Go I there. have my family, Go I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to do all of these kind this of things. You haven't spoken to your brother in two years. You haven't even tried. You haven't tried. You it's haven't trying. Tried. It's the trying. You, you haven't, haven't tried. tried. All these um super positive things that you think you're going to do with your kid and yeah every thursday we're no. gonna pray together we're gonna wake up and do bible study together no. and have you tried that have you ex- have you actually tried to commit yourself to that no. routine already with the people that exist been <laughs> actually currently exist it's the people true. that exist and also you have to remember like it is actually a ministry it to is. be a sister or a it brother is. to really someone is. and you need to it's a ministry to be a daughter it's actually a position of servitude you need to see how can i best serve you how can 100. i best serve you as a sister or a brother 100. um if you don't seek to do that how do you think you're going to serve anybody else with willingness and some of you suck like some, <laughs> some of you guys suck you have well. been an excellent mother but you've been a terrible sister Mm. and you're not meant to be a mother. And some of you will think, oh, I've been a great sibling because you've taken up the position of the mother. Actually, no, you haven't. You've been a great mother. Thanks for, it's literally like, thanks for doing this role, but actually your real role was this. And you failed at it. And you failed at it. So whilst you can acknowledge, ah, I've stepped in here and I've stepped up for you here. You've actually fallen here Mm. and you need to acknowledge that too. Mm. Which is why for us, like, we can't conceptualize our, you know, younger siblings growing up or vice versa, where our younger siblings have taken advantage of or have depended far too much on older siblings mm. where the parents have failed. And we've seen that even continue when you get older, mm. where it's, you know, instead of going to mom and dad for something, you're now going to your older sibling for yeah. money or to bail you out of jail or yeah. your older sibling to help you with your dissertation or your older sibling to do all the kind of things that your parent was meant to do. You have failed as a brother or a sister. Acknowledging that there are gaps that you have not filled, whilst mm. there are other gaps that you have 
honorably stepped up yeah, to fill yeah, is important yeah. because it's so easy for us to now be going, oh, I've been the eldest daughter and I've showed up here and I've showed up here and who mm. was there to show up for me. You showed up incorrectly. <sighs> and whilst it's not your fault, you still showed up incorrectly. And it's not your sibling's job now to heal you. It's not. I think that that's another issue. It's like you have so much built up resentment towards your siblings now, yep, but yep. they didn't ask you to feel they that. Actually they were actually collateral. They could have situation. been in the same, they could. And that's even another point, point, right? Whilst many of you guys may have had traumatic experiences shared with your siblings, the way that they manifest is different. Mm. Their response will also be different. Their emotions as a result of these things will be different. The way that they are as a character, yeah. like whilst they are supporting, the way that you've conceived of them as a supporting character in your story yeah. is different to the way that they conceive of themselves as the main character in, in their stories. And understanding that you, as you were saying so beautifully, you need to pursue your siblings too. Yeah. You need to actually actively, put, like you need to make time for your siblings too. Yeah. Like right now, my siblings do, we do a thing where we do our mon- monthly sibling days out and we try to like do fun stuff and mm. get to know each other, play like games and stuff mm. or go out to eat because it. we want to normalize. We don't want to wait till the next generation to start being a functional family. Yeah. The functionality starts now and so carries good. through as so opposed good. to let's start building the foundation when new people come in. Mm. Actually build the foundation before they're introduced so that you have a leg to stand on and you can continue to build as opposed to waiting to build something new. Start with the blocks that you have now. And so that they can help you build those things. Because like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. The more people you have in that community who are invested, the better. Some of you are showing more sisterhood to your friends than your sister. Oh, Jesus. Well, drag us then. Drag us by our eyelashes, in fact. (laughs) Some of you are better sisters to your friends than your real sister. Listen. Some of you are better, like, better sisters to to other men. Some of you are serving other men better than you're serving your brothers. Listen. Especially if they've made it clear or you can even see a semblance that they want relationship with you. Oh. They you are someone. out here running to get dates on Tinder, but when was the last time you went out for lunch with your brother? And this is something that you highlighted so well, right? You can put so much of these expectations mm. on your partner or on your spouse mm. that actually can be fulfilled by other people. Some of our partners can really crumble under the weight of our expectations because we're putting all of our community expectations and our needs from community Mm. onto their shoulders. And it's like, no, go and talk to your brother, go and talk Talk to to your your sister, go and talk to your friend. I don't need all of this right now. And that's not to say they should be absent. It's to say when you kind of create as many avenues as possible for you to get nourishment, you can draw from everyone in a healthy way rather than in a toxic, you need to meet all my needs. You need to meet all my needs and being super needy and thirsty Mm -hmm, all the time. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Drink from many wells, but make sure that those wells are healthy. That's the the key. Why do you people like dysfunction like Mm. this? Like, oh, I hate my brother. My brother hates me. And you think that's good? Because we're used to it. You think that's normal? <laughs> you, you think, think that, that's, that's fine? You think that's okay? Your brother's going to be your son or daughter's uncle. Yeah. Well, that's if you let them in their life. I mean, there's that too. You need to think about that because, yeah, like it's not just the family insofar as the family you're going to have. It's the mm. family that's pre-existing. What can you do to build what you already have and carry through? The village around you. The village around you. Yeah. I feel like that was a hearty episode. Oh, hearty. I think we've given. 
We've given the girls quite a bit and today. Yeah, I was even I th- conscious of time. I think okay. we've even just scratched the surface. I but thank you thing. for coming to our TED Talk and <laughs> listening to our ramblings and ranting. Our and musings and our conversations yes. and all of that good jazz. <laughs> and But in all honesty, I hope that you guys did feel fed by this. Hopefully. I hope. And if you didn't feel fed by this, there's other podcasts. Oh, massively. Courtney mentioned. But more importantly, we also want to hear what you guys have to say. Talk to us about your experiences. Are mm. you the eldest daughter, the middle child, mm. the youngest child? I would love to actually hear for children who felt like their, their siblings assumed a parental figure in their life. Mm. How do they now feel? Yeah. Like what are their views of their parents and their views of their siblings? Yeah. And what are their, their hindrances? And what actually stops them, if there are any, from building healthy relationship with those siblings that mm. were parents then? Because I've had my younger sister express to me, mm-hmm. you're doing too much. Like I'm I, I <laughs> I'll let her tell that's her story to yeah, tell yeah. but like just this idea of how do I now actually pair you as a sibling when my whole life you've been my mom yeah. now I can't come to you we've shared this before in like our sex episode I think yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. where like our siblings were struggling to come and ask us things about sex because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they see us as their parents mm-hmm. and it's like no sister you can talk to me about anything and they're like girl like i can't it's weird it's strange yeah it's really strange and even thinking of that i was thinking like when i was talking to my sisters like we went out for cocktails for the Mm. first time and the way my sister was sipping on that alcohol i was looking at her and i was like are you drinking alcohol Like, I'm actually but 18 exactly. and you're the one that took me out. Exactly. And I was just like, why are you sipping? The way you're sipping that alcohol, I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, or even like when they get um like a boyfriend oh. and you're like, oh, tell me about your boyfriend. But at the same time, why the hell do you have a boyfriend? If you don't focus on your books, <gasps> but at the same time, how was your day? Yeah, and then fam. inside you're dying. <laughs> and it's just like, so who is the guy? Let me check. <laughs> oh, 100%. And, and mm. there's a healthy level of being a protective older sibling. Mm. But I think where it crosses into the boundary of dysfunctional yeah, when yeah. there cannot be that openness and vulnerability because there's too much fear yeah so yeah all right girls we're gonna stop we're gonna stop we yeah, promise, we promise, yeah, we promise. We but we hope that you enjoyed the episode and if there's anything else you'd like to mention mm. or share or any of that good stuff you already know where to find us yeah. over here on youtube subscribe definitely maybe. and also a big big welcome to all the newbies because we've had a lot of new subscribers in the last we week. have it's we crazy have. We have. We've had welcome. a lot of people joining the TMS Baby, community. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> Insert pop smoke for <laughs> And listen, you're in for a real ride. And if you're new, welcome. Please feel free to check out some of our other episodes. We have gone through everything <laughs> and more from relationships and sex to business and entrepreneurship to dealing with trauma and the glow up <laughs> so make sure you check out those episodes and yeah. if you're a returning sister hey sis we don't take it for granted we, we love don't. you thank you for rocking and riding with us yes. from the beginning it's crazy to see how much we've grown and we can't wait to see even more sisters join we the sisterhood wait. oh thank my god you so thank you guys yeah, um but yeah you can continue to support us and follow us on instagram you can follow our page at to my sisterhood and come say hi to us individually we always like a good yes, cheeky individual do. hello at cd boateng and at renee kapuku yes sisters but of course you can also go and cause a ruckus come over on. on the timeline you on better. twitter by using the hashtag to my sisters and adding our same handle at to my sisterhood and if you haven't already Go and sign up to the mailing list. You better. You need to, all these like things that we're listening to, reading, we drop them in the mailing list. All Mm -hmm. the resources Mm -hmm. that you guys are asking for, 
They come straight to your inbox. You just got to type in your little email. That's it. So head over to twomysisters.com. Sign up to the mailing list. You can also send us a dilemma on there. I've seen a couple comments of people being like, where do we send our dilemmas? You can email them directly to hello at twomysisters.com or you can send them on our website, twomysisters.com. With the subject dilemma. Oh yes, and please. We, get, we need... Please, word count, 100 words. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want to help you. But it's hard to plow through dilemmas when they are dissertations. I've already told y'all, <laughs> I don't like to read words. Courtney does not like <laughs> I don't read. like to hear words. Um, so if you could like keep them kind of short and concise, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, just so that we could get through them and like just get them. Yeah. And also I don't read very well either. So when they're super long, I'm like stumbling on words and it's a lot. It's a me thing. It's a me thing. Help me out. Oh no, it's also, it's, it's a, I enjoy reading, but conciseness <laughs> is a uh what's the it's the trait of the modern the modern woman it's the trait of the modern woman we love you guys but conciseness <laughs> is the trait of the modern woman it is yeah, yeah but yeah definitely send us your dilemmas um and we will talk to you very soon very very soon if you haven't already check out tms plus but we'll talk to you soon sisters we hope that this really blessed you and helped you we're praying for you yeah As always, keep glowing and growing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.